0: And uh, I'm reading from Acts 2 22 to 41. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man handed ho- over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it's impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope if you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb was with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus God, raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses." Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made Him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sons' sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, for your children, and for all who are far away everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptised, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So
1: we heard uh, what happens when Jesus is established as the king. Uh, last week uh, we were talking about how Jesus is a servant of many, uh, how the, the way things work is, is Jesus is the one that serves us and Jesus leads us on a, a path of restoration through serving us. Uh, how uh, Jesus is wanting us to be a people that uh, allow ourselves to be served by him, the, the grace and redemption, the forgiveness, the wholeness that he wants to bring to us. So I have a question as we look at this passage this morning. Who or what uh, does Jesus not serve? Uh, he, he, he serves us. He's outward focused. focus. He, he, he serves Others, he serves the Father. He serves the Spirit. He he doesn't serve evil. He doesn't serve the purpose of sin. Uh, so so when we we look at this pyramid and we see Jesus at the bottom, the one thing that uh, is is not under him is sin. The the thing that sits under his feet that he crushes with his heel is Satan and Satan's purposes. And so we're we're turning the pyramid upside down uh, this morning as we look as. Jesus, the saviour king, uh, the one who is enthroned, the one who reigns in glory, the one who is our king. Uh, As we look at uh, Jesus as king, uh, I thought it really appropriate to, to think about earthly kings and queens. This is the throne of Queen Elizabeth II. What does... The kings, King Charles's throne look like. Does anyone know? You don't know because you haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, you, you see he's, he's had his accession uh, to being the king, uh, but he's not yet been coronated as king. A uh, little trivia question, how long was it between uh, Queen Elizabeth's accession and her coronation? Sixteen months is the answer. Uh, You've been paying attention to the news. I knew nothing of this uh, prior to the last few months, but now I I know. Uh, When she uh, died, instantly King Charles was king. Uh, the, The session was the officially putting things in order. The coronation is the celebration but at what point did he become king on the on the death of the queen? Uh, why is this relevant to us uh, as Christians? Uh, we can we find ourselves in the, this place of Jesus is uh, ascended king, but we haven't yet arrived at the full celebration. The full celebration happens when he comes again and he leads us and we celebrate in all fullness in heaven with him. But we, so, we find ourselves in this in-between sort of time. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, the king has not yet been crowned, uh, we've not yet seen him sit on a throne, is because it's a period of mourning. But for us... Should there be this period of mourning between uh, Jesus' death and resurrection and his returning again? Uh, Not at all. Uh, But I think sometimes as Christians we can find ourselves stuck in mourning, shame, in inadequacy rather than beginning to celebrate who is the king. Uh, Mourning over our sin, mourning over brokenness, uh, ashamed of who we are not, uh, rather than who we might be, uh, inadequate to get where we feel like God calls us to be and to do what he calls us to do. And so as Christians, I think we can sometimes feel like we're stuck in this in-between time. But unlike uh, the, the, the accession of King Charles to the coronation of King Charles, there's no in-between time for us as Christians there is a celebration in fullness time, but there's a celebration now. And so what it looks like for Jesus to be on the throne in our hearts is joy, joy deep in your hearts that wells out in celebration through through your lips. And so as we gather on Sunday, that's one of the reasons we sing and we celebrate, because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We're not waiting until uh, the big celebration to receive the Holy Spirit, we've been given the holy spirit now and as the holy spirit works in us joy is the product and so when we find ourselves stuck in this kind of in-between this mourning shame and inadequacy we, we we need to ask ourselves this question what who or what is on the throne in our lives who or what is on the throne in our lives. Sometimes our problems can be on the throne in life. Uh, you catch up with someone and you talk about them and all they ever talk about is this problem. Uh, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a thing. Uh, when all we talk about is problems, it's usually a case that problems have begun to enthrone themselves on our heart. Now as Christians, that the place uh, where Jesus is to be enthroned is, is our hearts, uh, is our minds, is our souls, is the whole of ourselves. So problems can't take that place because that's the place that's designed for Jesus. What about other people? Uh, are you crushed uh, by what someone says uh, really easily? Maybe people are on the throne in your heart. Uh, is your life driven by the agendas of other people? Maybe people are on the throne of your heart. I think the biggest problem that we face today is uh, ourselves being on the throne. Back in the time of Egypt, idols were physical things, people made out of wood and worshipped, which sounds really funny to us. Uh, but they would look at us and wonder why we worship ourselves as we make idols of uh, aesthetically Uh, our own agendas, Uh, we can enthrone ourselves in our lives and become our own king. So who or what is on our throne? As Christians, we can sometimes find ourselves overly concerned with what actually sits under Jesus' feet. You see, Jesus serves us as our king. Jesus serves us in bringing us redemption, in bringing us wholeness. Uh, in bringing us joy, in sending the Spirit, but that doesn't mean he sits under us. See, Jesus uh, is enthroned and we're called to have him established as the king in our lives. And what does that mean? That we honor him for the position that he's in. We live our life in a way that aligns with his kingly purposes, knowing that in his love for us, he serves us. And his service is not... uh, in uh, contradiction to his kingship. But as Christians, uh, we can sometimes see problems, people, ourselves on the throne, and sometimes sin sits on the throne, and these things can drive us when actually these things are meant to sit under Jesus' feet. Now, we talk a lot about uh, sin often in church, But we should also talk about problems. You see, sometimes the problems and the the burdens of life sit in this place where they overwhelm us. So when problems are overwhelming us, who's on the throne? The, The problem sits on the throne. What are we not believing about Jesus? That he actually sits above the problem or the pain of our life. So if Jesus sits above the problem or the pain of our life, And that's beneath his feet. Who's in charge? Jesus is. Who's going to deal with it? Jesus is. Who's going to deal with evil? Jesus is. And so as Christians, we need to see Jesus as the king. Uh, We have a king in Jesus. And so the question for our hearts, is that good enough? Is that good enough for me? Is that good enough? For you, and when I live in when I live in a way, because you're not the only people that struggle with having Jesus as King, I have my own agendas and plans. When I live in a way that doesn't show Jesus to be my King, I experience the fruit of myself as not such a great King. As Christians, uh, we need to continually. Uh, examine our lives and our hearts so that Jesus will be enthroned in the place that he bought by the price of his blood. In the Bible, we learn of the problem of earthly kings. Uh, we, we see in verse 29, uh, it says, Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David, and you can find this on page 886 of your pew Bibles, I I say confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and he was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. What's the point of what he's saying here? The the point is that, that David was a king, he was a good king, the best of kings, but he died and was buried, and his tomb is there. What's one of the problems with earthly kings? Their reign finishes. Jesus' reign is eternal. There's a difference. Uh, But David, uh, as a prophet, pointed uh, forward to a king that will come. God promised that there would be a king on the throne of David, and this king is Jesus. Earthly kings uh, struggle to deliver what our messianic king delivers in the full. Uh, the problem of earthly kings is David and Bathsheba. Uh, there's plenty of other David incidents that we can mention uh, where David f- uh, failed to live up uh, to the measure of what he was called to live up to as king every other king it's the story of a good king a bad king a good king a bad king the one that did good things in god's sight the one that did evil things in god's sight the one the king that followed in the footsteps of his father who did evil things the king that brought reform and continually kings are going this cycle of never being quite adequate enough and so the problem of earthly kings is inadequate kings produce inadequate Results, So no earthly king, even ourselves, can produce the result in even our own kingdom that is going to be long-term, lasting, generational, spiritual prosperity. So the solution is God as our king. You, you know, when you look at the Old Testament and the people are saying, give us a king like all the other nations, uh, God gives them a king. But what he really wanted of them was for him to be established as the king among them. And so every earthly king points to a heavenly king that can fulfill what we want in an earthly person. Well, the human problem uh, we see in this passage, verse 36, if you're following along, so it's page 886, Uh We see in verse 36, Therefore let the entire uh, house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. He's speaking to the audience and he's saying actually God has made him uh, the Lord, the King. He is the Messiah, the, the coming one who you expected to save you. God has made him this and yet You crucified him. So so the human problem is a struggle to discern the true king. Uh, The struggle to discern what it looks like to sit under Jesus as uh, our king. And so we, we live in this place where we actually need God to help us for this task of him being established in us as the king of our hearts. And so, if you've received the Holy Spirit as you as you've come as a Christian, one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants you to do is embrace Jesus as your king one of the Holy Spirit is going to one of the things the Holy Spirit is going to do as we seek to follow Jesus is establish Jesus as King in our hearts and what does that mean? Our problems need to get off the throne we need to get off the throne other people need to be dethroned themselves so that Jesus may take his rightful position in each of our hearts. So why would I want Jesus as my king? Uh, I'm going to put some verses up on the screen, and you can also follow them in Scripture. One of the things I want you to understand as I'm putting the verses up on the screen is that as uh, the Scripture talks about Jesus, what has been done for Jesus is done for us. What is true of Jesus, that is true of us. So when Jesus is sitting on the throne, we are kept in heaven with Him. We are with Jesus on the throne. You are here seated now. Simultaneously, you are also seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. Now that's hard to wrap our human minds around, but what is true of Jesus is true of us. And so we can read these verses and with confidence we can know that they speak about what is true for us because Jesus is on the throne for us and we are established with him. That is, he is ascended king. We don't need to wait for the celebration to know this is a reality for us. So verse 25, I will not... Be shaken though the whole world is shaken around me because jesus is on the throne i will not be shaken that life may fall apart i will not be shaken because jesus is on the throne verse 26 uh, my my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced glad hearts Glad hearts, uh, verse uh, 28. Those who are full of gladness in your presence. As the Holy Spirit works in you, it should produce a gladness in you. That you are redeemed. We are a redeemed people. We're no longer defined by our past, by our problems, by evil uh, that we have done or others have done. We are a redeemed people that should produce gladness in our hearts. And that Jesus sits above all the problems, all the evil. All the pain in this world, that should bring gladness in our hearts so that even when we are sorrowful, we can be a people that rejoice in fullness because Jesus is King. And so our tongues rejoice. The fruit of hearts that are glad is lips that rejoice. And so we sing and celebrate Jesus as our King. And so our flesh lives in hope. Although outwardly we are wasting away, we live in hope that we've been renewed day by day and that there is a resurrection body waiting for all of us. And so our flesh lives in hope that though outwardly we groan, we have been renewed as God's people because Jesus is King. Uh, we have verse 27 hope that uh, we will not be abandoned. Verse 27 speaks uh, of how uh, Jesus, uh, though he went and dealt with death and evil his his body did not see decay it speaks of him but also speaks of us though we will die though one day our mortal bodies will die death is not our end life is our end because jesus is our king and so we can look to jesus As our king with confidence, knowing that he not only has our present, but our future beyond this earth in his hands. Uh, Verse 28, uh, you've made known to me the ways of life. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So as we look to Jesus, we're we're confident that he will lead us in the ways that produce life in us and life in us around us with jesus as our our king uh, we're full of gladness uh, with your presence that is god is present with us people used to have to go to the temple to meet with god and only certain people could go and meet with god but jesus isn't an inaccessible king he gives audience to us Because he is present with us. And so our hearts are glad that we can not just know from a distant our king. And most earthly kings are distant from most people. But we can know him up close. Personal. He loves us. He's our king. He's present with us. Verse uh, 33. uh, We receive the promised Holy Spirit. That is, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end the age, we're confident that he is with us. And I wonder where, where's the greatest army established? It's always with the king. The, on earth, the, the role of an earthly army is to defend at all costs the king. So who's present with us? The king. He's eternally establishing his reign. And so we can be confident that whether life or death, nothing can separate us. From the love of God. We're confident, verse 35, that uh, all enemies will be a footstool under his feet. That he's dealt with it. And one day he will finally... That the power of sin and evil is dealt with. The presence one day will be gone. And there will be no more tears and no more mourning. Because Jesus is king. Verse 36, uh, he's the promised Lord and Messiah. That is, he's fulfilled uh, the Old Testament. He's come and he's established the reign that the rest of this book looks forward to. And so we can look to him as the, the one true king who will reign forever. The one that will bring salvation to all of his people. And then verse 38, we, we see that he's actually the one that offers forgiveness no matter the treachery no matter the evil no matter the brokenness jesus offers forgiveness to you and to me that we will be restored to a place of safety and security and wholeness under him as our king he has good for us and so these are usually when i talk about a theme i will go outside scripture And we could come up with lots more things as we look through the scripture, the kingship of Jesus, but just here we see all this is true for us as Jesus is the king in our lives. So who is Jesus' kingship for? Verse 39, for the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him this promise of jesus's kingship is good news for the world and this promise is for us for our children and for all who are far away see the good news of our king is that he wants to be the good king for the whole earth and a day will come when every knee will bow Every person will see that Jesus is actually the king. Uh, But in the meantime, we're given this beautiful privilege of representing the king on this earth and pointing people to the king who has been good to us. Now, the human problem, we struggle to recognize Jesus as our king. God's solution, living letters, living testimonies, transformed uh, by his blood shed, his body broken, and his resurrection life. So what's the pattern of the people that follow Jesus and, as king? We see it in verse 42, and this is the pattern that the disciples of Jesus have been following uh, ever since he ascended king. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers so we gather as god's people we <laughs> devote ourselves to study scripture because we we know in it we will discover the fullness of who god is and he brings transformation we gather together and encourage one another because we know that's part of how god has wired us as His people we break bread together and we're, we're going to do that uh, this morning After the service, we're going to share lunch and uh, I'll give you an opportunity to tell me if you would like to come for lunch but haven't previously identified it and we'll make sure there's enough for everyone. And then the prayers. We've prayed and we continue to pray as we gather and that's the pattern of God's people. When we think about what church should look like, verse 42 is a clear picture from Scripture of what church looks like both then and today. So the question for each of us is, who is my, who is your king? What's on the throne of my heart? Is it my problems? Is it sin? Is it evil? Is it other people? Is it even myself? Is it a challenge? Is it my work? Is it money? Is it power? Is it sex? What's on the throne for me? And what do I need to do to see Jesus established on his throne in my heart once again? Scripture puts it really simple for us. It says this, repent and believe. What does that mean? Repent, turn away from other kings and believe. Jesus is the one true king who has good for you let me pray uh, lord jesus uh, you are our king uh, lord as we come before you i uh, would like to ask your forgiveness for having other kings you might like to just say in your own words uh, jesus forgive me for looking to other kings Jesus, I establish you as the king of my heart. I repent of my sin and turn to you and believe that you are the only king for me. In Jesus' name, amen.